Welcome to the Giants Huddle. Get him in the huddle, get him in the huddle, get him in the huddle. A New York Giants podcast. I'm John Schmelk and welcome to the newest episode of the Giants Huddle podcast. Today we'll talk to the newest member of the New York football Giants, Leonard Williams, and then we'll talk to Bob Glober, who covers the Giants and the Jets. We'll talk about the Leonard Williams trade and the NFL trade deadline and what didn't happen at that deadline and talk about the Giants season for the rest of the year. But first, I want to remind you that the Giants Huddle podcast is on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app, but also on all your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe, add us to your favorites list, put us into your feed, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a positive review. Now let's get to our first guest. I had a chance to talk to the newest member of the Giants, Leonard Williams, who the Giants acquired from the New York Jets in a trade for a couple of draft picks prior to the trade deadline. Here's my talk with Leonard after he arrived, toured, and talked to the coaches here at the Giants facility on Tuesday. Leonard, where were you when you found out about the trade, and what was your reaction? Um, I was in the building, actually, uh, just reporting for, you know, normal pre uh, post-game, you know, film and stuff like that, and the coach and GM just grabbed me and brought me into the office so I can kind of tell already what was going to happen. But, uh, you know, I was happy to know that I w- it was the Giants. Uh, you know, I didn't have to pack my bags and move to a whole new city, uh, just uh, basically another 30-minute drive down the street. And, uh, you know, my reaction was that, uh, you know, it was hard to leave a team that, that drafted me and uh, showed me love in the beginning of my career and stuff like that. But And, uh, you know, all the love to them for bringing me into the, into the NFL. But, uh, you know, I'm still excited to uh, continue my career with the Giants, and uh, I'm happy that they, they wanted me here. Before we did this interview, you had a chance to meet everybody here, the coaches, mm-hmm. the personnel. What has that been like so far? Uh, it's been good, just uh, getting adjusted, um, just uh, taking a tour around the building, just trying to meet guys, uh, meeting the coaches and everything like that. And, uh, you know, tomorrow's going to be the first practice. I get to meet some of the players. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a b- big deal for me. I heard uh, big uh, Buck Allen is on the team now, and uh, me and him played together, so that's going to be awesome. Let's talk about the scheme a little bit. You played for Todd Bowles when mm-hmm. you were with the Jets. How similar is what he asked you to do there to what James Betcher is going to ask you to do here? Um, I heard it was really similar, 3-4 uh, defense. Uh, I got a chance to, uh, for like two hours, go over some of the defense with the D-line coach, and uh, it looks pretty similar, and uh, I feel like I'll pick, be able to pick it up pretty quickly. Also, I've uh, played for a lot of coordinators before, so I've uh, learned to pick up defenses pretty fast. And, uh, you know, I heard it's going to be good, so I'm ready for it. What are some of the things you're going to focus on this week so you can hit the ground running when you are put into the game on Monday night against Dallas? Uh, well, one, I already played Dallas this year, so that's a bonus. And then uh, so I've already played them. I know what to do against them and stuff like that. But also just getting my playbook as fast as possible, uh, getting my playbook tonight and uh, just get ready to uh, sit down one-on-one with the coach as much as possible uh, during some of that off time and uh you know, like I said, just get grinding that playbook and uh, just learn all my plays. Watching you play with the Jets last few years, I saw you lined up all over the line, right. over the nose, three technique, even outside when you guys mm-hmm. have four down linemen. Where do you feel like you're most effective on the line? I think I'm most effective as a three technique, but uh, I think it's fun to be able to bounce around and, uh, you know, create mismatches and uh, just move me around and, you know, make challenges for the offense and uh, change up the defense a little bit. And the coaches told me that they were most excited about that and that they've been able to see me play all along the line. So, you know, it's exciting. If you look at some of the advanced metrics, you're one of the Mm -hmm. top interior defenders in the league the last few years of hitting the quarterback Mm -hmm. and getting tackles for loss in the run game. What is it about your game that allows you to get into the backfield and penetrate? 
Uh, I think it's just my length and get off. Uh, you know, I think I have a lot of speed for my size. Uh, being able to be 300 plus pounds and and be able to move quickly is a is a bonus. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, being able to generate that much speed and power at once and uh, being able to use my length to to get extension on on linemen is a is a big key. Uh, even in the run game, when I'm able to lock out on guys and uh, shed blockers and uh, make the run. Uh, run tackle is, is important. A lot of times it's out of your control if the quarterback gets rid of the ball quick, but what are some of the things you were working on to try to convert some of those quarterback hits into sacks? Uh, like I said, especially nowadays, the uh, ball just coming out fast. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's hard to get to the quarterback. You'll see sometimes on film. I know not the average fan or uh, p people see that, but uh, you'll see sometimes even on the blitz, um, you know, a guy's running free to the quarterback and the ball's still coming out. But, you know, I've definitely been working on uh, d disengaging from uh, linemen as quickly as possible. And, uh, you know, even if you're doing like a bull or a power rush move, uh, quickly converting into the, onto an edge of them so that you can get off of them and get to the quarterback instead of just trying to bull them all the way to the quarterback. You know what I mean? Final question. You'll be joining three other very big guys on this deep interior defensive mm -hmm. line. Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, and the rookie Dexter Lawrence. How do you think you guys, and Olsen Pierre, how do you think you guys can complement each other playing together on that line? Uh, I'm really excited about it. I've, I've been watching them uh, this year so far. I've, I watched a little bit of them on tape with the D-line coach. And uh, also, this is my first time ever being the oldest guy in the room. So uh, <laughs> I'm definitely going to try to be a leader to these guys. Uh, you know, I've been in the league for a little bit longer than them. So I'm going to try to uh, share my experience with them and, uh, you know, get to know them and, uh, you know, create a bond with them. And, you know, that's when you can play best for each other, when you guys uh, can create a relationship off the field. Leonard, great stuff. Welcome to New York. It's happy to have you. Yes, sir. Thank you. And now we're joined by Bob Glober. He covers the NFL, including the Jets and the Giants for Newsday, and we'll break down what happened and what didn't happen at the trade deadline. And, Bob, you also have a book that people should check out, correct? Yes, I do. Guts, Guts and Genius, the story of Parcells, Walsh, and Gibbs. What a, what a great era in pro football, Schmuck, and I'm sure you, you recall that. I think you're old enough to, to go back to that time. I do. I remember the 80s well. That was my learning all about the NFL growing up and, and watching those great matchups between uh, the Giants and the 49ers and, of course, the Redskins with Joe Gibbs and the 90s with the Cowboys in the mix, too. Uh, and, boy, it really looks like, and we'll start the Leonard Williams stuff, Bobby, because it looks like Dave Gettleman's trying to build an old-school 80s uh, defensive front here with some massive guys. Already Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, and Dalvin Tomlinson here, and now the Giants add Leonard Williams for a couple of draft picks. Uh, just give me your thoughts on, on why you think the deal went down and, and what are your thoughts on it from the Giants' perspective? Well, John, I think that that's a very good assessment of what Dave Gettleman is trying to do. And, and don't forget, Dave Gettleman is very big and he was very influenced very heavily by Tom Coughlin, who is very uh, wed to the idea of building big people, you know, big people on the lines. I mean, that's where you, where you win from the inside out both the offensive line and the defensive line. And I think the Williams trade is a testament to that philosophy. Um, you know, it, it's a bit of a risk. Leonard Williams didn't really live up to his billing with the Jets. I remember being in, I believe we were in Chicago when that draft went down. Yep. Uh, the, Redskins, the Redskins drafted Sheriff at uh, number five. And I'm like, whoa, because everyone expected Leonard Williams to go there and like, you know, Mike McCagnin just kind of saunters up and you know in the Jets' room and say, we'll take Leonard Williams, and it seemed like a steal at the time. But, you know, Williams never really panned out as the, you know, kind of can't-miss dominant pass rusher type. He plays well against the run, and he does attract a lot of double teams. But, you know, 17 sacks in four and a half years. He once talked about, 
getting a sack a game during a season, and that you know never came out. He's got one more sack than a full season's worth of football, and he had none this year, although he came close the last couple weeks. So, you know, I, I do think that you're correct, John, in that you know you're, you're building big people, you know, with big people on that defensive line. And look, you know, when the Giants won their two Super Bowls, they had big people along the line. They had probably better pass rushers on the ends with O.C. and Strehan, but you know, they did have some some girth up there, and I think that's very important for him. You know, Bob, it's funny. If you look at some of the advanced metrics, his pro football focus grades are very strong. He has a high number of quarterback hits. One of the leaders from interior defensive linemen in terms of quarterback hits over the last few years. He gets a lot of tackles for loss in the run game. But the sacks haven't come, as you mentioned. What do you think is, is just holding him back from getting those other advanced metrics that does help a defense, but just not finishing with those sacks? Yeah, you know, I think it's a variety of reasons. You know, sometimes it's the people around him, John, that, you know, he, he has not had great talent around him. Um, there there have been times when he's, he looks really strong and he's, like, almost getting to the passer. He'll get the credit for the quarterback hit, but just not quite getting there in time. And let's face it, it it's a harder league to get sacks in right now because quarterbacks throw on time so much more. They get rid of the ball quickly because offenses have adjusted to the great pass rushers. How they do it by getting rid, having the quarterbacks get rid of the football. You know, you see Tom Brady make a living out of that. You know, and I think part of it is that you know his talent is that he he looks the part. Leonard Williams is a specimen, man. He just looks. He, he's big. He's strong. He's fast. But you know, when you put it together on the football field on a, a fairly consistent basis, you got to say, well, you know, maybe he's just not as good as his measurables. You know, his football prowess isn't quite what, you know, you think he, he is capable of when you take into account his physical attributes. How do you think sure. he fits in with the Giants' current defensive linemen and how they're going to now rotate him with other pretty young, accomplished, good interior defensive linemen like Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, Dexter Lawrence, Olsen Pierre's been playing a lot. How do all those guys work together within the framework of how the Giants are going to defend when a lot of the time, as you know, you're in sub-package because teams have three wide receivers on the field? Yeah. You know, you mentioned the word rotation, and that's the key there. You know, defensive linemen like and coaches like to have a rotation among those big guys, because, you know, let's face it, big guys get tired a little bit more easily than, say, skill position players. So it, 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 there's a need for that rotation. I, it's a little crowded in there, John, and I, I wonder if there's going to be a corresponding move, whether it be in the offseason or maybe around the draft next year. That's that's a lot of defensive tackles to have. And you're obviously, um, you know, to Dexter Lawrence over the long term. I don't know if someone else gets kicked out of that spot, and I don't know if someone else you know, kind of kicks out for the defensive end position, just, you know, kind of uh, spread that, that wealth a little bit. And, you know, you remember you had the NASCAR package with the Giants in the, in the 07 and 11 seasons that Steve Spagnuolo ran so much. You may see a little bit more of that, but that's, that's a lot of bodies in there. And you do, need, you do need multiple players in there for that rotation, but I, I just wonder if they have too many and maybe we'll see another domino fall. And then finally, how do you think this now gets handled in the offseason? You know, Leonard Williams is the last year of his rookie contract. Obviously, the Giants traded assets for him. I got to imagine they want him here long term. How do you think that whole thing's going to end up playing out now? Once you get after the season, yeah. Well, look, 
I think that they absolutely need to sign him. Now they can, if they let him go and, and some other team pays him huge money as an unrestricted free agent, you know, you can get the compensatory pick for him. It likely would be a third round pick, but then you throw in the fifth round that they gave for him. I think they're, you know, that that's a, a bit of a risk as far as, you know, do you want to, you don't want to have this guy for an eight game rental. Uh, let's face it. You want him longer term. He's a young player. He is in his prime years athletically. So you do want, to, to resign him, and I think it will be a priority. And I, I assume at the end of the day they'll get it done. Um, if they don't, I think it's going to be a little bit of a risk that they that they invested a little bit too much for a player who ended up playing just eight games for you. All right, why do you think the rest of the trade deadline, Bob, was so quiet around, I guess, what, 2 o'clock today, one thirty or so? All the tweets started coming out that the Jets had basically started a fire sale and they were looking to move anybody that wasn't named Sam Darnold and Quinn and Williams. Nothing ended up happening. Uh, a couple other guys are rumored around the league to maybe get moved. Uh, Trent Williams from the Redskins, Chris Harris from the Broncos, but no one ended up getting traded. Why? John, we've seen this a lot. I, I think there is more action at the trade deadline. Remember, the trade deadline was kind of uh, extended you know, later in the month of October because teams were willing to do that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, there's always less action than there is rumor, and the rumors were flying fast and furious. At the clock, it seemed like the Jets were going to be left with you know nobody on their team because the Douglas general managers were, was considering everything. But in the end, it was just the Leonard Williams trade with the Jets and Giants, and then a keep to leave uh, traded from the Rams to the Dolphins, and that's that's basically it. Now there were deals obviously with the Jalen Ramsey one last week, so deals leading up to it. I think the reason is that teams are, are pretty reluctant uh, to kind of make moves late in the season. If you're a contending team, maybe you look for that piece. But if you're Dallas, you know, there was talk about Jamal Adams going there, but the Jets were looking probably for two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. I don't think the, the Cowboys value safeties in, in that mode. Maybe a cover corner, but not a safety. It's just not that valuable uh, a position for the Dallas Cowboys and for a lot of other teams. So, We've seen this before, John, a lot of rumors, a lot of activity, um, and then in the end, not much. Patrick Peterson not going, a bit of a surprise, but I think that the Cardinals look at themselves right now like, hey, you know what, You know, we're, we're close to 500, we got a good young quarterback, and Patrick Peterson has been a valuable player for us, we're going to hold on to him. So I think in the end, teams um, you know, kept, kept their best assets, uh, and only if they were willing to, you know, be gone for for a lot of draft picks and and that really was Jalen Ramsey and that turned out to be it as far as that blockbuster type trade final question Bob if you're a Giants fan the Giants are a two and six they're at the halfway mark of the season what are the most important things that you'll be watching for in these final eight games the Cowboys coming up on Monday Night Football uh, that will impact not only the rest of this year but also the future in the franchise where is your magnifying glass on this team in the final half of the year you know that's a good that's a good question. I and I think that Giants fans really need something to look forward to because you know the playoffs are pretty much out of the question. I think number one, number one, number two, number three are Daniel Jones, <laughs> Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, Daniel. Jones. I really, let's face it. You know when you have a first as a quarterback, that's the guy. It was the same in '07 with Eli Man in '04 with Eli Manning, and it's the same now with Daniel Jones. You look for that development. You look for how he's going to build chemistry with Saquon Barkley. You look at you know you look at the right side of the offensive line that that may have to be adjusted in the off season you know can that can that work longer term you look at whether Nate Solder is going to be an answer because uh, his name was kind of brought up in trade talks 
uh, before the deadline. And I think you look at whether this young secondary can kind of get better. Um, you know, they did keep Jackrabbit Jenkins, and I think that was important for the team. He is their best cover corner, so um, there was a lot of talk about him being moved, and that didn't happen. So I think you look at Jones, um, Saquon, how he does offensive line, and then the defense overall, and how if they can get better under James Betcher, and, that, and that's a big if. They've been a big disappointment so far. Bob, great stuff. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you later in the week, pal. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, John. We'll see you. That's Bob Glober from Newsday. Make sure you check out his book. We want to thank him and, of course, the newest Giant, Leonard Williams, for joining us today on the Giants Huddle Podcast. For our two guests, my name is John Schmelk. I want to remind you that the Giants Huddle Podcast is not only on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app, but also on all your favorite podcast platforms. I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios.